We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast, and we are brought to you by ZoneCoverage.com and the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. I am joined in studio on a Monday, not a yeah. Thursday, Charlie. <laughs> I think you th- squeezed me in. <laughs> <laughs> it's been like weeks. The Thanksgiving on a Thursday, and then I was on the road a little bit. It kind of threw off the whole cadence. But we'll be back on. I'll be back on uh, Mondays. And then Thursdays uh, with Charlie, and we'll get back into a rhythm a little bit. I think is Christmas on a Thursday. Who knows? I don't At know. least until Christmas, <laughs> we'll be we'll be back rolling here um, consistently. So for today's show, um, largely I want to focus on Carl Anthony Towns and the team after 20 games, kind of into the season. Britt and I talked about that a little bit, but just um, specifically how we can understand the system and the players on the roster are meshing in with Carl Anthony Towns and what he, what they are bringing for him, what he's bringing to them, just how cats fitting. Cause that's the most important thing, right? Yeah. Like oh, yeah. how this system, you know, emboldens cat or holds him back. So we're going to dig into that. But first we got to talk about a losing streak, a four game losing streak since Thanksgiving, though the wolves have off off also been off their cadence. Of yeah. Yeah. They've been losing, <laughs> uh, at home, they lost to Memphis the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and now we're recording this before Phoenix, so maybe they broke the losing streak. But uh, Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> but they've lost the first three games of their road trip in Dallas, Oklahoma City, and then last night in Los Angeles against the Lakers. It's weird, though. You look at the, the standings right now. The Wolves are still 10-12. and 12, Yeah. And if they do beat Phoenix tonight, 
and the Thunder lose in Utah to the Jazz, also the seven seed, yeah. 11 and 12. So the West being some untamable beast has kind of not proven to be very true, and they're in the playoff hunt. So I'm wondering if you did own the Wolves are going to make the playoff stock, Charlie, I don't know, scale of 1 to 10, how concerned would you be in that stock? If uh, I you would, don't own it, but. well, I no, I can. I would be concerned. I would be concerned because they're coming up upon this. What is going to be like at least a month long stretch where the schedule is much more difficult than it's been to start the season. So the fact that they weren't able to stockpile more wins during this first what has it been a month and a half now right. will make me a little bit concerned. But like you said, I, even me as somebody who maybe has never been as high on their chances of making the playoffs. I still look at this, this standings page and think it's so easy to see the world where they find their groove again and stay in this competitive mix because nobody's pulling away. I mean, the sixth seed are the Jazz, and they're only 13 and 10. And then after them, it's just a hodgepodge of teams who on any given week could go 4-1 and one and could also go 0-4. and sure. four. So as long as the Timberwolves can stay steady and stay around 500, I don't see them falling out of the race. But... I'm not super confident in their ability to do that. You know, you bring up the Jazz, and um, I, I'm, I'm going to write about them and the Wolves after the, the Wolves play at home on Wednesday against them. And, and I was just kind of watching a little bit of them, and I, I want to gather a little bit more information like before I actually make any sort of like assertions. But I was kind of in the mind that for sure there were six locked-up spots in the West. Mm-hmm. And every time I watch Utah... And then, and then we were we were texting about this, we were listening to Zach Lowe and Mark Spears. We were, mm-hmm. we were talking about the Jazz too, and Zach did a good job of highlighting some of those. Uh, this is a little bit concerning, and I, I feel a little bit concerned about yeah. that. And if the West was what it was advertised to be, I think the Jazz would be very much of on having a risk of not making the playoffs. And with plenty of time left in the season, I don't know they, they're an injury away from that being another spot that opens up too. That who would have to get injured for them for you to really think they weren't going to make the playoffs? Even like Bogdanovich. Yeah, I guess I'd still bet on them making the playoffs. I guess I, I would too. I, I'm just saying I was last week or whenever the last time I did this with Britt was I was like, oh, there's six for sure teams. Yeah, and then now having watched a lot more and kind of watching some of the non-playoff teams, it's all even a little bit more murkier than I even thought. Then I guess is what I'm trying to say. Totally. And the Jet. I mean. The Jazz were just the team that you lo- I looked at at the beginning of the season and just thought, okay, this team is going to be very good at offense and very good at defense. And if you're both those things, you're just going to win a ton of games. And it's just been bizarre to see that not work out. It'll be, that'll be an interesting. It'll all be, already be the third time that the Wolves have played the Jazz yeah. this year. Uh, and we kind of saw how that went back and forth chess match-wise because remember it was the back-to-back games when they played each other. So I'm interested for that one. But... But we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> these these last three games, I suppose we need to talk about the stupid shit that happened in Oklahoma City. Kind of. I mean That was such a bummer, man. <laughs> I like I get emotionally invested in these games and I haven't felt that just kind of bummed out after a Timberwolves game. After like, you know, a middle of the regular season Timberwolves game in a while. That was a bummer. It it was weird. For me, the experience of it, I watched it after the fact. Uh, I was saying to you before this, I was on the, the road trip with the team before, but I came home 
uh, instead of going, I was going to go to the Oklahoma City game, but I came home rather than going to it because it was my mom's 60th birthday. So happy birthday. Yeah. Shout out mom. Um, I, I didn't watch that game live, which I watch all the games live pretty much very yeah. rare that that doesn't happen. And it, it was just so bizarre to kind of be consuming what happened um, from everyone else. Oh, and like in real time? Yeah. yeah. You know, I just was like, oh, you know, be a normal human and just like don't do basketball for a yeah. Friday night. And uh, <laughs> You couldn't. <laughs> oh, yeah, that it just, yeah, everything went uh, chaotic. But I think I'm almost in a way glad that I watched it after the fact, knowing the result, because I watched everything else that happened in that game. And I think even if you delete whatever the hell happened at the end of that game, there was... Uh, both encouraging signs and concerns that kind of percolated in, in that game, uh, whether it being Shabazz Napier coming back and showing that he is back. Jeff Teague had his best game of the season. Saunders started playing Jordan Bell a lot mm-hmm. with with Carl Anthony Towns and all sort of kind of actually more good signs than bad signs, I thought. Um, yeah. Being like the Wolves, that was a game they should have won. And then the Dallas game they were kind of in too. Like they very much could have won those two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and outside of that, whatever the heck happened at the end of the game, like, I think I'm more pleased with just like an ob- objective sort of bubble of like, that was actually a pretty good game mm-hmm. from pr- a production standpoint. No Wiggins, you know? Um, so, so, yes, it's a bummer that it happened, but I don't think it's like, it's a gut punch, but not like a, a wound that continues to bleed or something. Sure, yeah. Do too many analogies. Well, well, (laughs) watching that Thunder game when you knew the result, was it weird? Like, were you, when they were trailing, you know, with a couple minutes left, like, they were down, like, 12, right? With just, with, like, five minutes to play. Big comeback. Yeah, were you like, how are they going to come back here? Well, then you kind of, I assumed it would be Towns, and it was. Yep. But there was plenty of other things that the Wolves did wrong along the end of that game other than the t-shirt issue. Yeah. T-shirt, tucked in shirt issue. It was, I mean, it was everything. Shabazz Napier didn't get the inbound pass. Yeah, that, that was the one thing where I was like, whoa, nobody was talking about this when I was oh, going through Twitter the That would day. ice the game. Well, and even Britt was at the game. He wrote his column. I don't even think he included that in there, which I don't blame oh. him just because there, so much happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if Shabazz just catches the inbound pass. It was a great pass. There, there's the game. I mean, Jordan Bell... Mm. Missed a bunch of free throws at the end of the game. Cat missed one. The 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 yeah. I'm talking about even though, even if we get like the last five minutes of the game. Yeah. There was so many opportunities for the Wolves to just ice it with really basic things, catching the ball, making 50 percent of your free throws, whatever it may be, um, and just how they were playing like def- defensively too. They're giving up a couple of easy buckets. It was it was a very winnable, very winnable game, and still should have been won had uh, it not closed out the way it did. If anything you want to get concerned about, I would say it's that overtime and just completely having nothing. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like overtimes are such a momentum thing, though. Like, I I don't have any... It would actually probably be an interesting study to do, like... But I don't have any data to back this up. It just felt like once the game was going to overtime, I sat there, I was watching with my buddies, and I was like, there's no way they win this yeah. game. That's just so deflating. Like, how do you come back from that? I mean, you should. You should be mentally No, 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 you're stronger, right. You're right. No, that is, that is true. And and they they didn't, I guess, is what I'm saying. There was, uh, there was just no overtime fight no. whatsoever. No. And, I mean, but then... 
But then I watch all of that and I'm like, okay, yeah, I feel the bummer that everyone felt. And I just was like, "Ah, move on. Yeah. You can't, you can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. At that point, you're still 10 and 11. It's not like some sort of massive drop back. And it's one game, you know, Um, they can, they can totally recover from it. As you mentioned, though, it's going to be difficult with this upcoming schedule, starting with that Lakers game. Yeah. But, but I don't know. All in all, I thought the Lakers game would be one they'd for sure lose. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, you know, talked about it all year. I, I think it's a massive, massive issue for the Timberwolves when they play big teams. Yep. There's yep. no bigger and more athletic team no. than the Lakers. Oh my like, God. I, I don't, I mean, that was just such a safe bet, in my opinion, um, for, to, to bet on the Lakers in that game, unless the Wolves were to make some sort of massive concession and, you know, change their style of play. Yeah. But even if they do that, it's like, do you trust, you know, Jordan Bell, the Jordan Bell or even like Kat and Gorgie to like outplay AD and JaVale McGee and LeBron who rounds out their front. Right. That's what I'm saying. It was just, yeah, that, that one I had very chalked up. Yeah. Um, as, as a loss. And I think we saw some good things in that game too. We got a little bit more of, uh, a little bit more of Napier, Mm -hmm. um, good play and, and Wiggins was back, you know, the team's kind of starting to, uh, approach good health. But the, I think the big wart that, that sticks out from me from all three of the losses is extended periods of time with cat, um, muted or just off. Totally. And in the Dallas game, I thought he started very poorly, uh, defensively. He looked out of sorts yep. against the, the Mavericks pick and roll, the Oklahoma city game. There was, I don't even know what the exact amount of time is, but as they were saying on the broadcast, oh, Cat hasn't shot a shot in this long and this long and this long. And it was another one of those, like, why can't they get involved, Carl Anthony Towns? And then the first half against the Lakers, I think Cat was two of seven from the field and Anthony Davis was something like 12 of 15. Yep. And, and <laughs> that juxtaposition it's not like it's not like a one-on-one matchup. But I don't think you mean to compare like who's playing well against the other. It's just like the way that both of them are used and highlighted. Well, that's what I was saying. They, it was such an intention that they executed on of involving Anthony Davis. Yep. And we don't see that enough with Carl Anthony Towns. Now that's a product of the surrounding pieces. Yeah. That that are around Cap, but they're they're just, in my opinion, is not enough intention, whether it be play sets or commitment of the other five players on the floor to involve Carl Anthony Towns. And I really do think it starts with X's and O's yeah. and, and, and running sets for him and making it not really an option, yep. or at least the primary option of the action is, is cat. And that hasn't, um, that hasn't been the case in, in a much more free flowing sort of offense where we know how it works with cat. It's pretty much operate at the top of the key as a quarterback. If you can get a shot off from three, do it. Um, or roll him into the post where he normally gets doubled. Yep. He... Like violently doubled. <laughs> <laughs> he... Yeah, I, it's and, hard, but and, they, they just need to involve him with more intention. Well, and what's frustrating to me is that this has been the case since Jimmy Butler was acquired and Carl Anthony Towns' touches and his usage and his field goal attempts has been 
a point of concern, I think, for a lot of fans because, like, you see that this dude is so talented. You see that he makes these shots more efficiently than everyone else, and yet you still see everyone else take more shots than him. So I think when Garrison Rosas was brought in and Ryan Saunders was took over, especially this year, like the whole, he'll have a whole offseason to implement his scheme thing was like, okay, this is going to be a, about Carl Anthony Towns. And while I think we've seen that Cat is really a good fit for this scheme because he can shoot nine threes a game at 42%, that doesn't mean that the scheme is like built for him or mm-hmm. built to maximize him. And I think that's just kind of what we're starting to see. And the fact that there are no shooters, the fact that the ball handlers that the Timberwolves have aren't great at getting the ball to the big out of the pick and roll and stuff mm-hmm. like that, like that accentuates it. But this isn't actually a scheme built for Cat, if I you know what I mean. Totally agree. Yeah. It is. It is a scheme that will only be built for Cat once the surrounding pieces yeah. are good enough to fit in that scheme. Yeah. And until then, there's going to be these extended periods of sort of jammed up time where Cat feels the need to to get a shot off and he'll do a weird sidestep three-pointer like through a defender almost or he'll have to kind of burrow his way to the rim and avoid a charge on a drive. Like it is, I mean, the difficulty of a lot of the shots he's forcing himself to take is high. And it feels like it's out of necessity even more than it was in the past. Like I think in the past there'd be times where he's like, all right, I just, I haven't taken a shot in, you know, 10 minutes of playing time. Like I'm just going to take a shot. Now it feels more like, oh, the the lead is slipping away. No one can score. Me taking contested 28 footers is by far our best option. Which in a weird way still kind of is. Yeah. Oh, it is. It totally. Is. That's kind of the ultimate incrimination yeah. of it all offensively is that, that, I mean, I, I had uh, someone text me after that when he took that, Three from the logo was that the Utah the last Utah yeah. game kind of with ten when he seconds made left. It. Yeah, no, when he missed it, that oh. like thirty some footer from the logo. Okay, and he was like, "Given what your team's offense is, I don't, I don't hate that shot." No, and that was an analytics guy from another team. Like, wow, was like, "What are your other options in such a limited time at the end of the game?" Yep, you know, and no, yeah, that's, you get the look off. Like that's step number one mm-hmm. in a lot of places. That's you're not even going to get the shot off. Like, and if Cat can make that. If he makes that three times out of ten, even yeah, in late game situation, that's a, a good shot. It's a, it's well, it's just probably better than a Jeff Teague isolation where they're going to be able to throw a second defender kind of in the way or Wiggins or whatever it might be. There's just the Wolves, you know. It's just kind of the feel at the end of all games, all NBA games, where you're like, man, I wish the team would just run their offense; they'd get a better look. Like their yeah. efficiency drops down at the end of the games, but the Wolves are even more limited in that way because they don't have a lot of different actions that they can run for guys because their offensive players are limited. Yep. And and then when you can key in so much on Cat or Wiggins because you know those are going to be your guys that you want to take the shots, it's just late-game situations are tough yeah. for this uh, for this Wolves team. And Cat's never been like that dominant in late-game situations. His clutch field goal percentages have never been that inspiring, and I think – Part of that is just noise. He's never had a ton of opportunities. It's hard as a big man. But that's another reason why that Thunder game was so sad to me. (laughs) Because he hit that clutch three and he had that sweet drive and dunk. And that should have been the cap to to one of his better crunch time performances in his career. And then it just... And it would have been if the... 
if the surrounding pieces yeah, on the team, exactly. if Shabazz Napier would have caught the ball, if Jordan Bell would have made a free throw, yep. if Jeff Teague would have tried to play free safety on the Dennis Schroeder. Okay, bomb. so do you think that that was you'd put that more on the player for not self-diagnosing and saying I got to get back under the hoop because the only way we lose is by this bomb pass? You'd put more of the quote-unquote blame on a Jeff Teague than on a Ryan Saunders for not making sure that that happened. Well, you don't have a timeout in that situation. But you had the timeout before. Like, that should be part of, like, if we make well, this. you had the timeout before the free throw started, and then the chaos ensued of the technical, and then you decided to miss the... There's, like, no break for him okay. to coach. But you're yelling from the sidelines while free throws are going I on. Mean, kinda, I mean, kind of. I'm not saying it's not on the coach at all. It's not on Ryan at all. Like, yeah, you, you need to be in Teague's ear there to some degree. But if you're Jeff Teague... You need to be a bat out of hell defending mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that like it's the end of the game. Yeah. And and the effort, I, in my opinion, from what I saw, was just was just not there. And it was just kind of a concession of, well, this is going to be really hard for them to convert on. Even if he catches it, what are the odds? He catches it and puts it up. Like the pass is The pass the was right incredible. Spot. The pass was incredible. And that that that's what I, I saw at the end of that game was – Schroeder could have been defended better. Oh yeah, like, I mean, like, what, why wouldn't you have somebody standing under the basket? There's, I can't think of one possible. Well, Teague, I mean, Teague fell for a step in. Yeah, like, wh- wh- that's on him. That's on him. It doesn't matter if Dennis Schroeder catches the ball like at half court. Really. Yeah, you let him. Like that's he's gonna have to catch the ball, turn and shoot a half court shot. Yeah, um, so that was. I mean, in, in the moment, mistake, but for sure a mistake. Um, yeah. Antique. So it was just. Well, I was just curious to get your take on that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Be I, just, I haven't been around the team in the past couple of days. <laughs> I don't know how much Ryan's going to want to talk about it. Doesn't sound like he talked about it much after the game. But um, there was just a ton of, <laughs> ton of non-cat breakdowns. Yeah. At the end of that game. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk more about cat, <laughs> uh, and just. I wrote something on, on the site today where I, I kind of used uh, NBA.com has their lineup data where it breaks down how much how effective uh, the team is with two players on the floor. So I did Cat and all the players that he has played 50 or more minutes with this season. There's 11 of them. As we know, the rotation has kind of been in flux. And I just thought it was worth digging into a little bit, and I want to expand on it with you here, uh, how well those guys and those archetypes of players almost more so help or hinder cat. Yeah. And I don't have a one specifically I want to start with, I guess, but let's just kind of rip through that whole, yeah. that whole group and talk about who's helping cat. Yeah. And who's not, who do you want to start with? I think that the, I think Napier is fascinating one because <laughs> the guy who's played the least, the least and he has he's played the least amount of minutes alongside Carl Anthony Towns, fifty three minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm reading this off of the table from your article, and has the best net rating when playing alongside Cat, like by far, by a mile, plus nineteen point four. And that's just like you know that comes down to they must have played together in just a small handful mm-hmm. of games, and it it worked out well when they did, and that could have something to do with lineup yep. or their opponent or whatever. It's just interesting to me because when you look back on Cat's history playing with different ball handlers, the defense just does so much better when there's a ball handler in front of him willing to give any number of 
shits on defense. And Shabazz Napier Ty, like is Tyus Jones. like Tyus Jones, like Ricky. Yeah, Ricky, exactly. Like, and that's just it makes me want to see a little bit more of Towns and Napier playing together because I mean, there's also complimentary stuff on the offensive end, but more than anything, you just look at these numbers and you go. Again, Cap, the team plays better defense when there's a pesky point of attack defender in front of Cap. I'd like to see more of that. So we are going to see more of it, but it's going to come in units where it's both Jeff Teague and Shabazz Napier. You think so? I don't, I mean, particularly if they're the confluence of the three things being they want to use Andrew Wiggins as a point guard, Mm -hmm. they're going to still play Jeff Teague a lot. And they want to play Shabazz Napier with Carl Anthony Towns. There is just not a lot of bandwidth yep. to be able to play, you know, Napier just as the point guard at the one cat at the five. Yeah. It's just it's gonna be messy yeah. in, in ways. And and part of that mess, particularly as it pertains to defense, is that he's gonna play with Jeff Teague. Yeah. And I don't know if you listened or saw the quotes from last time Shabazz Napier talked to us at practice and he was, what he says, he's like, it's only going to work. I saw this. This It's only going to work if uh, we do it on the defensive end. Yeah. And playing alongside another guard, point guard. Yeah. So, uh, and, and how have those two been on defense when they're, it's, it's been bad, right? When Teague and Napier are together, it's a super high defensive rating, right? It's super high. And then, with Towns, when it's the two of them with Towns as well, it's a 119, which is very high. Yeah. Um, it isn't a lot of minutes yet. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I'd like to more go off of what we've kind of seen break down there more than the number. Because when it's literally, it's like 12 minutes or something, that can just be a team hitting two threes. Yeah. Like, so... That's too bad. You're just you're no longer doing it for Cat then. If or playing Napier, you're no longer playing Napier to benefit Cat because he's a pesky defender and he can space the floor. You're doing it because you want to get both Napier and Teague more minutes, and you think that maybe they can stay afloat playing together. But like, what I agree. The, but what's the other option? Well, just I get like the politics of it make it impossible. Even but take the politics out of it. Like don't play Jeff Teague. Don't play Jeff Teague, like or or yeah, or like play one of them at a time and just say sorry. One of you is going to get eight minutes tonight. I mean, I you think that? I, see, I don't think that would be a good thing for the team if Jeff Teague only played eight minutes. Not every night, but on a night where Andrew Wiggins is going, and you go, what do we need Jeff Teague in here for? Would rather have Shabazz Napier run the second unit without Jeff Teague on the floor. Yeah, I mean, there are nights like when Wiggins is gone and you have no other creators, and Jeff Teague, like against OKC, like that's what I was gonna say. You just need him. I know, and it, it, it sucks. I feel like every single time I'm here on like the defending Jeff Teague hill, which is not one I want to live on because I don't think it really helps. This, I know what that hill's th- like. This two point guard thing, or any, but we just spent 20 minutes talking about how crappy everyone else is, and I'm acknowledging that Teague played a role in blowing that Oklahoma City game, which was his best of the year, and that his effort is inconsistent. But if you want to talk about winning right now, he is still like the sixth best player on this team, worst case. Mm -hmm. And that means to me that you need to prioritize giving him minutes, even if it costs you something here where you're going to have to navigate working him and Napier together or him and Wiggins together. Like You got to iron that out with rotations, not with minute decreases yeah in my opinion i think there's something to that i think i've always been a still am a jeff teague uh proponent but i think that there could be something to the fact that while he is probably the what like the fourth best player 
just like okay, fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever. Like yeah. in that area, talent wise on this team, that might not make him like the fourth or fifth most productive player to this team. Do you know what I mean? Like you can still like he just mm-hmm. doesn't fit on offense or defense. So even if you're super talented, that can kind of take away from the value that you add. And I think we kind of see that. But more than anything, I would just rather it be more situational. Right. Like on certain nights, we just don't need Jeff Teague. I, and that's tough. That's where the politics I, I hear that. I just think, I, I mean, you just said eight being a little bit over the top. And I think when I talked about it with Britt before, he said like 18. And I, I'm with you guys in, in ratcheting it down, particularly based on the game script. Mm-hmm. But to, to kind of pigeonhole him into a really backup point guard role is to limit this team I think at least offensively. I agree with that. And um, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a work in progress. Like I said, we haven't seen enough of the Napier Teague pairing to know if it is good or bad. I mean, like Trevion Graham and Jeff Teague <laughs> wasn't very good. Yeah. Trevion Graham and Josh Kogi, Trevion Graham and Jared. Call- I mean, it's like you're, he Teague doesn't have a lot to compete with no. on the wing no. in that type of role. On this roster. That's just, that's my main point on all of this. And yeah, I think play it by ear over the course of the game and tone it down. It's been too much. Yeah. It's been too much outside of the OKC game. I mean, the minutes have been, have been really high. I mean, he's just so clearly not willing to buy into the offensive scheme. He just doesn't do it. Yep. I and that's totally kinda, agree with that. I mean, as a, I can't imagine how frustrating that would be as a coach. I, I think Ryan is definitely frustrated with that. Yeah. But also acknowledges the fact that he's one of the better basketball players on the team. Yeah. Let's highlight uh, Teague's numbers. He is only behind Robert Covington in total minutes played with Cat. Um, he's played more with Cat than Wiggins has. I mean, which actually that's super surprising. Yeah, that is. Because, I mean, Wiggins has missed three games, but Teague missed like five games. Yeah. So one way or the other, the rotations have shaken out this year to play. They're staggering. When Teague is playing to play a lot with Cat. Yep. And um, his net rating is is bad. It's uh, other than Graham, it's the worst of um, anyone on the team of, that's played with Towns, other than Keelan Martin. Those two, Teague and Graham, are the only ones that are negative besides Keelan Martin, who falls into the hasn't played very yeah, much. Yeah, um, part of it. But yeah, that's and <laughs> and that matches the eye test, man. Totally. Yeah. And to be to be negative while playing with Carl Anthony Towns is bad. Yeah. That's an indictment of you. Yeah. Whoever you are, because as you know, it was uh, kind of long said with the with the Cat and Wiggins pair over the past couple of years. It's like, well, Wiggins always has a positive net rating when he's with Cat, and it's like, well, he's with Cat. He's with Cat. <laughs> you know. Um, so fatigue to have not worked now in 384 minutes alongside Towns is a red flag and adjustments, you know, need to happen there. And I think the offense, even when he's being super annoying, not pulling from three, the offense is still good enough. Mm -hmm. It's the defense. Mm -hmm. And particularly when he is at the point of attack defensively, I mean, guys are going at him. It's given, and the Wolves do a lot of different defensive coverages now, but when it is just a high pick and roll, it's so important for the guy on the ball to really scrap around the screen and to reattach himself to the to the driver's hip, mm-hmm. and that re- requires hard, consistent effort on the defensive end. And guys like Josh Kogi and even Trevion Graham, they do that 
Jeff Teague does not do that, whether it's he doesn't think it's important, saving energy, one thing or the other. Um, it costs them defensively mm-hmm. in, in that sort of way. And so, I don't know. As someone who does think he needs to continue to play, the adjustment then for me is finding ways to kind of hide him off ball defensively more and not just being willing to say, well, Jeff Teague's going to guard their point guard because he's our point guard. Yeah. If he's out there with Shabazz Napier, I mean, they need to be super intentional about having Teague guard the worst option. On yeah. the, I mean, they do that with Wiggins all the time. Yeah. Like that, they need that to happen with Teague too. So maybe you're trying to stagger Teague and Wiggins' minutes a little bit more. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different ways you can kind of go about this. It's not going to be perfect, but you can use Teague, particularly defensively, in a way that better suits the effort he's going to give. Yeah. That would be, it's almost like a last ditch effort because it's always been the defense with Teague. The offense has always been good with him. As much as it's unappealing to watch him you know, dribble the ball into the floor and not take uncontested threes. The offense has always been good with him out there, but the defense has always been worse. So Mm -hmm. it's like, well, they've never tried hiding him off the ball that much. You might as well give it a try. You think you, it's like, and it's also the, there's ways to do it. There's a way to do it. If it's with Napier, prioritize Napier or Wiggins, pull let's pull Wiggins out of like the, the abyss that he kind of exists in defensively. Let's give him a challenge. Yeah. You know, I like he's making strides all over the floor in other ways. Like, I don't know. I'm, I think they're probably trying to save him a little bit energy wise because his offensive burden is heavy. But that I don't know. They we're, also we're, probably believe that he's not a very good defender. Yeah, but he's better than Jeff Teague. Agreed. That's yeah. That's all I'm saying. It's again, it's not turning it up to 100. Yeah. But he is. I thought it was a really interesting point. And I don't know. I hadn't really thought about this. Uh, Jim Pete and Ben's were talking about it. Yesterday, and maybe it was just so jarring with LeBron when Okogi was on, uh, when Okogi was on LeBron, and Jim's like, Okogi's a good defender. He's just not that big. Yeah, he like he's not in the vision. It's like Travion Graham guarding Blake Griffin. Yes, you're like, there's just no chance. Well, there, but but Okogi can put up some physicality. Like he can get in the way of strength once you start hitting him. Mm-hmm. But just being in like the passing lanes and in the vision lane, I don't know how exactly Jim said it, but. I was like, oh, that that um, that makes sense. And Teague is a much smaller player than Wiggins. Like Wiggins is big, like height and length wise. That if you he could be in more passing lanes in that way. So I don't know. I don't know exactly what all their schemes are and their plans are and everything. But it does seem like maybe they could increase Wiggins's defensive burden so as to detract a little bit from what they're asking Teague to do. Yeah. Well, that's a, a good point with LeBron, especially because you th- when I imagine watching LeBron, I imagine him as a playmaker and he's either he's, he's running the pick and roll and he's either trying to find the big man with a skip with like a pocket pass or an alley-oop or he's just going to throw a skip pass to one of the corners. And like if the defender on you is, a f- you know, six inches taller, mm-hmm. like that's just harder like yep. to, to throw the pass over them. Makes sense. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Let's do, uh, let's do Wiggins because we were just kind of talking about him. He is third in overall minutes with Cat, uh, a good positive net rating plus 2.6, which is um, the highest of any, any of the six guys who have played over 200 minutes with him other than Jarrett Culver. We'll get to Culver. Culver's number-wise been the best pairing for Cat this year, but Wiggins has been um, good. Mm-hmm. As we were just saying a little bit before, Towns and Wiggins have had a positive net rating when they've been on the floor together for the past three seasons. 
when they haven't been a very good team. So that is a credit. They're a, even though they were a 30-win team or whatever, they when those two were on the floor, they were a 45-winning team yep. in terms of point differential. This year, though, that, that net rating is even higher than it has previously been. And it's not all just being driven by cat. Yeah, it's comparatively higher when yeah. you when you compare cat's net ratings with other players. Exactly, and that I thought that was interesting. Going back to look at uh, at what Taj and yeah yes. from last year, right? Yeah, it was uh, with like Josh Okogie's net rating with cat last year was higher than Wiggins's was. Teague's was higher with cat. Yep. Uh, Sarich was higher with cat. Yep. Wiggins was positive, but it was lower than those guys, and so that's kind of an indictment of him. Yep. And this year, that is that's changed. The script has flipped in in ways where it's just good when Wiggins and Cat are out there together. Um, I think there is a whole other horizon to be hit there. I just from watching, don't feel like they necessarily like they kind of fit in the way the floor is set up. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Wiggins has more driving lanes. Cat has more shooting lanes, but they aren't really unlocking each other necessarily. And, I mean, optimistically, there could be more of that yeah. over the course of the year, and that would make these numbers even better and, I mean, <laughs> increase the win total. Yeah, and I think even more specifically, Carl Anthony Towns does unlock Andrew Wiggins, in my mind, primarily just because of the spacing that he provides. Like, Wiggins' ability to drive more often and more effectively is so bolstered by Cat's ability to shoot and the fact that the big man has to be out there defending him or at least somebody has to be out there defending him. But not only that, um, Towns is good at finding Wiggins when he's cutting. And I think that that's like a good... Every game, man. Every game. And that's got to be encouraging for Andrew Wiggins. Like, oh, he hits me every time I do this. I should do it more. And I think that that's a good thing. What I want to see more of is how Andrew Wiggins can help unlock Carl Anthony Towns. And I want to see some ball handler on this team who can get a pocket pass to Cat out of the pick and roll. It just, when was the last time you've seen that happen? It, it's it, like, I go back to Ricky Rubio. I, I literally think about that every time I'm watching another NBA game. Oh my because God. Because you turn on any other NBA game and it's all pick and roll. Obviously, all the whole NBA is so pick and roll now. Right? Yeah. And, and you have not good players and yep. not good role men. Like, they're just average NBA players. And they're just peppering the team. Totally. With... Like, what? what is the defense giving us here in this pick and roll? Okay, I'm going to take advantage of it. Yeah. And the Wolves don't do that with Cat outside of the pop. They do it with the pop. Yep, they do it with the pop. And and that's what Cat's best at. And I understand prioritizing that. But you're totally right. It's just it's just not there with Wiggins. Wiggins, well, he, it, he's become a better passer in the, like, he gets to the nail and he's able to distribute it to his right and left to shooters, quote, shooters. <laughs> but he's not, he, he's not finding Cat. I mean, Again, Jim Pete was talking about it on the broadcast. He's like, when was the last time you saw a lob dunk? To oh, cat? have you ever? <laughs> Rubio, probably. Probably Rubio. Well, it's not to say that the Wiggins cat pick and roll isn't productive because I think it's been very productive and sure. it's something that they can lean on late in games. But what happens is it's either Wiggins is going to reject the screen and like go try to get into the lane right. or he's going to drive in and, and skip past to one of those quote unquote shooters. It's never to the benefit of cat, which isn't like... What are we prioritizing can, here? But so so here's the thing: Can it get markedly better without shooters around them? 
You know, that makes me think that there maybe more of this is on Cat. Like he's got to be better at timing himself as a role man because I I think like God, you got to be able to find that pocket pass once in a while. I would say it's on Cat some too. I yeah. think. But I think he's kind of got classically conditioned to not expect it, and then he just kind of turns into post up mode. Yeah, and then, and then he's now he's like posting himself up on the block, and he's getting pushed off the block, and all of a sudden, okay, now he's caught it at seventeen feet, and he's squared up. Still not a bad spot because it's cat, mm-hmm. but it's not the most they could have gotten out of that action. Yeah, you know, yeah, what I'm saying? exactly. But no, I think to your point, I mean, all of so much of this comes back to the fact that there aren't shooters, and. I, I think we're starting to see more and more tweaks, and we'll we'll get to Kata. Um, but having more shooters is huge, mm-hmm. and and the and the rotations are starting to prioritize that. Where I mean, we've now seen Covington kind of Covington and Kata play together some, where they're playing the three and four, and Layman will be back eventually too. Where if you can just make it so there's never two of a Kogi, Culver, and Graham. Graham on the floor, that's huge for. Everything as it pertains to shooting. Yeah, yeah, totally. Around, around the the cat Wiggins pick and roll. Yeah, because it's almost like, well, if we got one guy sagging off of his defender in the corner, like maybe we can make do with that. But if if both of them are, like we're just totally screwed. No one's going to be able right. to to move. The uh, as it relates to Towns and Wiggins, Culver has fit into that really well. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, Culver was the um, the best two man pairing for Cat so far this season in terms of net rating. Offense and defense is both there. It's also it's been really good in any time that Towns, Wiggins, and Culver have played. Yeah, you noted that's their best three man lineup. That's their best three man lineup, outscoring opponents by thirteen point six points per one hundred possessions, and that's a lot of time. I mean, that's obviously not a small sample. Those three start yeah. together now. That's huge. And if you, I mean, <laughs> that's huge for the future. Yeah. Totally. Those are your guys who are locked up long term, and that—that's the core of this team. I mean, Covington is there too, mm-hmm. and uh, Kogi. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, but but if you if you, I mean, just want to talk contract wise. Yep. The the three players who are under contract four years from now are Wiggins, Cat, and Culver. Yep. And that's to see them already finding success. To see that synergy with Towns and Wiggins is there, even if not. Everything we would want it to be. Yeah. See Culver also kind of mixing into that. I mean, there was a great play uh, that I put in the article of Culver's initiating the action, hits Cat at the at kind of the high post there, and then they get one of those backdoor Wiggins cuts for a dunk. I mean, that three man action's huge. Yeah. It, it inspires you to believe in what this could become. Yeah. What do you think it is that's making that three-man lineup so effective as it relates to net rating. That's what I was saying. I don't have the answer to that. I mean, I think part of it is just cat. I think part of it is probably noise. Just if it's that good and nothing else is that good, there's got to be some randomness to it. But it kind of makes me think of the defense. like Because if Culver's in there, that probably means... He's getting scrappier defensively. He's getting scrappier, but it also just lately has meant that Teague is not in there, which is going to really help the defensive rating. It's true. Um, it's true. But it's like m- m- more to that idea of like just have length on the wings and have guys who are switchable because the more you can do that, you know, the more seamless it could be for the defense, especially trying to help Cat. But I don't know. Like, how, I don't know why it's that good. Well, I do think that uh, Culver hasn't been special this year by any means, but he has been good at what he was advertised to be good at, mm-hmm. which is 
defensively being solid and then offensively getting to the rim. Mm-hmm. He does that. Yeah. And when I think why the numbers are probably so good is when you have that, that ability to get all the way to the rim compared to what those other guards are doing, the, the Grams who can't really do that, the Akogi who's just a little out of control, the other guys who have played, I mean, he is so much better at getting to the rim yep. than any of the other those wing players. Oh, yeah. Him creating himself. I love those hang time shots. We just jump up in the air and don't shoot till you're on the way down until you've like cleared the contest. And if he can start making those, turning those into drawing contact yeah. to get into the free throw line, which is a whole different can of worms with him because he's, I think he's still shooting under 50% from the free throw line, that's problematic. But that might just be a big difference maker is being a creator. Yeah. And being able to creator for himself to get all the way, you know, to the rim. And it's also something that's not happening a ton, which again, makes you think it could get even better mm-hmm. um, if he does more and more of that uh, over time. So uh, I'm encouraged yeah. with, with Culver and how he, maybe not on an individual basis, am I encouraged by Culver, but I'm oddly encouraged by how he's fitting into this team. Yeah. I mean, on, I'm on, on a team that like doesn't really fit together. Yeah. He's like so much worse than shooting than I hope. Worse at shooting than I hoped. But yeah. he's just a very poised player. And I think that's encouraging to see from a rookie. Do you is the shot gonna get better this year, do you think? This year? Yeah. I I think from the free throw line it will. I don't think it will from three. I don't know. What is he shooting from through right now even? Do I don't, I don't have it in it, front of me. It's not good. No, I don't see that coming but up. But it's much. better than a Kogi or the call yeah. or uh, then uh, Graham. Graham. I can't imagine the free throw shooting staying at 45% all year. That would just shock me. Just that would like, be bad. Yeah, we've got so much evidence. We can look back at what you did in college and what you did in high school. You're not a 40% free throw shooter. Like you on some level you've got the yips right now and that could last all year. It could last a couple of years, but he's not a 40% no, that's, free throw shooter. I mean, you can just kind of see it when he's shooting. I mean, he's in his head. Yeah. And um that will iron out some, but I don't think it irons out to 70, 75%. No. That'd be for any time soon. Like no, probably not. And I think we saw with Wiggins last year, when your free throw's not falling, you're more hesitant to get to the line. Yeah. That's just how your brain kind of works. Yeah. Because you don't want to miss those free throws. You don't want to go one for two from the line. And there's a lot of like, I've been kind of feeling frustrated watching the Wolves by the fact that Culver ha- has not been able to play crunch time lately or not, not, not been able been to weird. not been selected to cause he'll play well throughout the game and then not play the crunch time. But man, if you're 41% free throw shooting point guard, sure. like it's hard to have you in there in crunch time. And it, that comes back to like the, what are you prioritizing this win tonight or the development of your, one of your cornerstone players. They're doing more let's win tonight stuff. Yeah, sure seems like it. I mean, the I think the, the Jordan Bell starting to play, I mean, they're playing two bigs. Yep. That's a departure from the whole system thing. Where was, jo- was Jordan Bell going to be? This is what I keep coming back to. Like, Jordan Bell was a super, you know, inspiring acquisition, a minimum deal guy with championship pedigree. But we want to play. Is that what you felt or is that what you No, that, this is just the narrative. But we we want to play one point guard and three wings and a big. Where was Jordan Bell? Was he a, a wing? No. Was he a center? Yeah. So he was going to play some center minutes alongside Cat and Novanle and Gorgie Jang. Yeah. Like where was that ever? When was that ever going to happen or work? I don't know. That's why I was <laughs> saying the whole. That, that's why I've been saying this whole year. I was like, wait a minute. So Gorgie's not going to play at all. Yeah. That's what they said. And then it was like, you don't realize Cass going to play 34, 35 minutes a night. Yeah. So now we're talking about 13, 14 minutes 
at backup five. Why would you even roster that many? Why would you even use the roster spot on Jordan Bell if you knew that going in? Yeah. So that's why I've been saying it all year. They're going to start playing two bigs. Yeah. And they have. Jordan Bell in Oklahoma City played along, played 21 minutes. 20 of them were alongside Cat. And he played 20 minutes, all all of which was next to Cat last game, too, against the Lakers. And he's starting to look a little better, which is. But, okay, let's talk about him. It is. I, I think. I think it makes sense. Again, this is the hill I've been on. Play two bigs. But there are downsides to it, too. Like, it, the, the spacing is bad. Yeah. Like, the spacing is bad. He, and, and he also feels the need to, like, try and be a stretch big. There was, I think it was the Lakers, maybe it was the Thunder game, where he just, like, kind of dribbled himself behind the line and took a three. I mean, he just can't shoot. Yeah. Like, that's not his game. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to depart from the system of the one guard, three wings, one big sort of, idea then don't make jordan bell play that yeah don't make him play like a wing acknowledge that you know what we're doing right now we're doing a one two three four five and jordan bell's out there as a dunker spot pick and roll guy and cats a cats a floor spacer but he's also in the lane and it's going to be a little bit wonky when they're both in yeah. the paint together like that's just how it works in a spread offense when you play two bigs yeah don't make him be a stretch four if he can't stretch the floor. Just, just let Cat be the stretch four. If you yeah. have to have Jordan Bell out there for defensive purposes. But, just let but Cat what be we the saw with Cat, man, is he he can't he can't stop himself from getting into the lane. Like when guys when guys start driving, like Teague in the Oklahoma City game, when Teague started putting pressure on the rim, Cat would, you know, go to follow the shot or to be there for a drop off pass. And then when Teague you know how he's puts on the brakes and it's like, oh, I'm actually not going to shoot this layup here. Now all of a sudden, you have Teague, Bell, and Towns all in the paint, plus like four Thunder defenders. Yeah, like it's going to be. There are so many layers problematic. of incompatibility in what you just described. Yeah, it's just a bummer. Like, but I mean, I, I'm for it. I'm for seeing what it you know it looks like. My whole stance on playing two bigs all along was some per game. I think I said eight, 10 minutes, mm-hmm. something like that, just because in my opinion, mostly Gorgie Jang was what I was feeling. And I was actually pretty high on Noah Vonley at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year. It was kind of like the logic I had with Teague of like, why you have to play Teague. The roster just craves more talent. And Gorgie Jang was a more talented player than again, a Trevion Graham or like a Keelan Martin or Jalen Noel. When those guys were playing, like, play two bigs rather than playing a G league player. Yeah. That was that's really the baseline of my whole belief. And then if it works, as we've can kind of see it work, or Gorgie Jang started having success when he played, like then try it a little bit more. That's my whole opinion on it. And I don't know, the last two games, 40 minutes that those that Bell and Cat have played together. They've only played 68 the whole season, so they're only 28 total minutes in the previous 20 games of the year. But I don't know, I would... If they are prioritizing winning a little bit more over the system, then I would guess we're going to see more of that. Yeah. It was weird in Dallas, which best media seats in the league. I know. I saw that on the broadcast. Is that where all of them are? Yeah. It looked like it was only one or two rows. It was super jammed. I had like, I was wedged between Chris Hine and Britt. Okay. But you're right at courtside, which is sweet. It's crazy. Um, Which is cool. But... That was the first game where Ryan really started to give Jordan Bell um, run alongside Cat, and, and he went in the sec- early in the second quarter. He went to put Bell into the game, and Vanderpool came over to him and was like, "Whoa, whoa, what are you doing?" Because at the four at the time for the Mavs was Justin Jackson, who's really 
more of a shooting guard than he is a power forward. Mm -hmm. They just had a really small lineup out there. So Vant, again, this is me just watching. Watching. So I don't know exactly what was said, but he was upset with the idea of going with Bell in at least that instance because it didn't make sense given what Dallas was using. So he, I think Vanderpool more so believes you use Bell, if you're going to use him at all, use him when, against a team like the Lakers who has two bigs out there, mm-hmm. whereas Ryan just seems to want to get Bell run because yep. he is somebody who gives them a little bit of energy and he, he likes what Jordan brings more so than him being like a tactical sort of yeah. move. Does that make sense? No, yeah, it does. So do you have any insights or maybe just strong opinions about why they're deciding to go with uh, a Vonley or Jang, which now seems to just be Jang, or Bell when they want to play two bigs, like which is which is which, you know what I mean? Well, the Bell stuff is just is new. I, I think... Um, it's just a new, like, uh, test. Yeah, well, I mean, so Bell has, again, it's played 40 minutes the last two games with Towns. Vonley's only played 25 minutes with Towns all year, and yeah. Gorgie's played eight. So at least for now, the priority is is Bell in that if they're going to go two bigs, more more so than anything. If it ends up being a profitable pairing, and this is a team that would stand to benefit from two bigs, I think you could use Gorgie as a facsimile of Bell or even Vonley to some extent. But I think if they're going to prioritize being bigger – what they'll do is Kata in like kind of jumbo lineups. Kata like at the three? Well, Kata like at the four. Okay. And then Covington and then like Culver Wiggins. Oh, okay. So Covington at the three. Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. so it's a, that's not necessarily, Kata and Cat aren't a big front court, but you have a big team out there in general. Mm-hmm. It, and if that, because part of the concerns about going small is rebounding and just the physicality of it all. So you get the physicality when you play the two centers, right? Yeah. Any of the two centers together. And I think with Kata, you at least have kind of that, that size we were talking about, the Jim Pete size thing where you're in the way. Yep. And um, it'll be interesting to see once Layman's back, I think that's the way that you get that you get Kata to remain in the rotation is to go at the 3-4 all game with two of Covington KBD and Layman. Yeah, yeah, and th- and that's kind of like what I imagine these decision makers, Saunders and Rosas and Vanderpool, had in mind when they were thinking up this defense is having, and they talked about it, like having these wings that are switchable, that are the same size, and now just like get them healthy and play the big ones. If you're if you're really at that big of a size disadvantage and you don't want to play two centers play the big wings, at least give yourself something. That's what I'm saying. I think they're going to move towards that. Yeah. Like the, the really going all the way in on it is playing two bigs. Yep. But the other way to compensate is to just kind of go big across the board. And they did that against the Lakers. They yeah. had, uh, there's a, a play I have in the article where it's, it's Gorgie at the five. It ends up being a K to three. Gorgie at the five, K to at the four, Covington um, at the three, Culver's out there and Wiggins. Like, that's huge. Culver's yep. the shortest player out there at 6'7". Yeah. And I think that's kind of the adjustment to make. And I think Kate has earned it. He's made 17 of 35 threes this year. Yeah. 49%. And, if and he, you, he was, like, literally the worst three-point shooter in the league last but year. But I, I talked to him volume. about that. I talked to him about that last year. Like, uh, you're talking about last year. He shot yeah. 25% yep. last year. But it was at the, all at the end of the year, 
And I just was like, do you feel that that 25% is like misrepresents what you are as a shooter? And this was before he was even in the rotation. This was an Atlanta game as well. Yeah. I was talking to him. And he's like, yeah, it was, all of those are at the end of the season. We were playing a bunch of different people. Cause, and, and he wasn't like bullshit. He's not like, oh, I'm going to come in and be some 45%. He said 35% was what he wanted to exactly. be at this year. Yeah. And, and I don't think, and he, he said then too, when I was talking to him, he's like, I don't, this was after he'd shot 10 threes against the Suns. Cause I don't need to be shooting that many threes, but I can, you know, I yeah. can knock them down. And basically what he was just saying is like people, I was like, people kind of label you as a bad shooter cause you shot 25%. And he's like that. I was like, is that just like a mess of the end of the year? And he's like, yeah, totally. Like, it was, he had no consistency of his rotation time. Totally. And and so many of those came when he's playing against guys, along guys like Cam Reynolds and Jared mm-hmm. Bayless. And it was just. I also think it's just as much as anything, a sample size thing. Like, yeah. he shot like 52 threes. Or it was something like that, 52 three-point attempts last something year. Something that is divisible. By four, <laughs> so, so yeah, thirteen yeah, to fifty-two. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So that must have been what it was. So, um, that is not a lot of threes. No, and this year, so that's like a test case to don't you know small sample, like small sample alert. So maybe we shouldn't. So get th- too exactly. Into the so this year is like let's let's for sure it's somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. but like let's wait and see where it falls. <laughs> if you take out his three for ten against Phoenix and zero for four against Oklahoma City, <laughs> he has made sixty-seven percent of his threes <laughs> this year since Lehman went down. So you could you could get as excited or as skeptical about it as you want, depending on what you feel he actually is as a shooter. And and for me, if we want to go shot doctor with it, I don't love his stroke, actually. Yeah. And I, I don't think... He has more of the mechanics of a corner three-point shooter mm-hmm. than he does of uh, an above-the-break shooter. And that's why, another reason why I'd like to see him play at the four more. If you watch him, if, you can ever, if you're ever at a game you can get, get close, he has a really, like, not talking to you, talking to anyone who's there... He is a really like mechanical from the elbow up yep. sort of thing. He like he catches he like he catches the ball not in the shooting pocket and he twists his wrist into a way that is is more of a fling than a stroke, mm-hmm. if, if that makes any sort of sense. I don't know. Watch him watch, if you can go watch him shoot a three. It's not it's not pretty, but it is quick and it's high. And it's quick. I think yeah. that's the most important thing where he can he can get it off. And it's so lot. high because you're starting to see more often is people are getting solid contests out on him, and you kind of look at it like, oh, you're you're going to take this one, and he can get it up, even if the contest is there. He's not going. He's rarely going to get blocked because he's so tall and it's just like and, seven and I think, foot four wingspan. I mean, and I think that's why it's huge the experience he had at Ohio State as a yeah. volume shooter. Yeah, like those contests, I don't think bother him much. No, but he also. Um, I'm not a, a shot doctor, but what I tend Me to neither. look at, <laughs> but I play them on, on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> what I tend to look at it is like how repeatable it is. And I remember summer league when last year, when Cato was a rookie watching him, he was a really good shooter in summer league, or mm-hmm. at least he had a few games where he was making. A yeah, bunch I remember of that. And all I remember thinking was he shoots it the same way every single time. Yep. And I think that it's, it's huge. I, I, I always like, I come back to golf in my mind with it where like you could have the worst golf swing in the world, but if you do it the same way every time, you're going to start to figure out like, w- you know, where your screw up is and like how you can kind of mitigate that. Particularly at the professional level. Like, I mean, it's a baseball swing. So I mean, choose your example. Like, yeah. If you are elite at it and consistent in your mechanics, you know it, it can work. Mm-hmm. And and I think I think with Kata, we have reason to believe it can work. Not at the fifty percent that he's obviously mm-hmm. shooting right now, but to me, I think his play forces Saunders' hands 
to continue to play him once Lehman's back because he's basically just filling in for Lehman right now. And the way to do that is by playing these really jumbo yeah. lineups. And that helps the issues they have shooting and it helps the issues they're, they're having against size. Yep. And I, I want to see I want to see more of that because I think Lehman, let's talk about him. Lehman um, will, I want to see Lehman and Kata together. Yeah. I don't know how well that'll work. That will be, once they're back, that if Ryan tries that at all, Let's see, because now, because now you say you call it Jang or Cat, and you have Layman and Kada at the three four. So Kada's probably the four logistic. Whatever, yeah, yeah. Now you're back to your one guard, three wings, yeah. one big sort of thing, just bigger wings. Um, I also just like the way it it allows Layman and Covington to shift down a position if you want to the the three. Or I mean, could you go? Could you put Covington kind of at the two there? Could you go Covington Layman? K to cat and then yeah. another a point guard. I mean, it could go huge with Wiggins. Yeah, or cover. And it kind of gets to like the the one gu- the one guard, three wing, one big um, mantra is like nice and modern, but it also like you don't need a point guard. You just need a ball handler yeah. and someone who can defend the other team's point guard. You don't need a point guard. It's like you're saying you don't need a power forward. You just need wings and a big. Like another step further is you don't need a point guard. Like yeah, I mean, let's acknowledge handler. that it's going to have. We were just complaining about not being able to initiate pick and rolls. And if you don't have a traditional pick point guard out there, it's going to be harder to yeah. initiate pick and rolls. But they, but they just don't have that. They don't have it on the roster. And it makes sense on this roster to prioritize shooting. Yeah. Because that has been such a problem. Mm-hmm. We know that over 20 games. So put as many of your competent shooters, I guess, on the floor as you can and see where it can take you and deal with kind of the rough edges of Culver being a point guard and yeah. pressed full court or yep. Wiggins, you know, somebody getting into Wiggins a little bit more. Like, I think that's worth exploring. Yeah. I think, and that, that can be such a glaring issue is when like a pseudo ball handler, like a Culver or Wiggins, like has a turnover, you know, in the half court or something like that. It could, if I was the coach, it would make me go, well, Jeff Teague doesn't do that. Like he takes care of the ball and that's, you know, at least it's, it's mistake prone and like humans are, are mistake prone like by nature, but that it's just so much harder to see all the bad things that he does. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Layman is going to miss his ninth game in a row tonight, the the Phoenix game. And when I've seen him, he's been in a walking boot. I don't know. Sometimes that gets blown a little bit out of proportion of like, oh, a walking boot. Like, that's the worst thing in the world. I mean, at the end of the day, a walking boot just. Those <clears throat> things are supportive, man. They, yeah, they just help. <laughs> it's easy. So, <laughs> so I, I don't know. We don't know uh, what exactly is going to happen. So you don't him. know. You don't <clears throat> have any sort Ryan, of. Ryan said that he's definitely out for the road trip. Okay. Which ends with this Phoenix game. Yep. My guess would be it, it lingers longer than that, just from kind of the vibe I've gotten from talking to people. But it's also kind of it's a feel thing. Yeah. With turf toe. Yeah. Of just because it's kind of a pain tolerance thing. Because uh, it hurts to just <laughs> explode off of that. Yeah. So we'll see when that comes back. I just do think it's worth noting that the team has really slowed down since Layman has left mm. the the lineup and. Pace, as we've been over, is, is a hard thing to measure. What I personally like to to use as the as what I think is most representative of that is the time of possession that you have the ball. <clears throat> and when Layman was playing before he went out, the Wolves had the fourth fastest time of possession in the league, thirteen point five seconds per possession. And since then, they've dropped to thirteenth fastest mm. by that same metric. 
and it's most noticeable in them playing like a whole second slower off of turnovers. And Lehman was, whether he was the guy getting the steal and getting out and running or just running with somebody off of a turnover, I mean, they were playing much, much faster with him. And as that pertains to Towns, because that's what we're talking about here, I think, I think we're learning how massively important that is because when you're playing faster, you're less often getting into that half-court set where we've seen Cat kind of need to jam up more shots. Mm-hmm. You know, the he's getting, what do you say, violently doubled on the yeah. block, <laughs> and he's needing to force up these threes more, but with more pace and, and you know, the defense can't set. Yeah. And, and you're getting easier looks for him. Having Jake Lehman in there and an intention of playing faster as a whole group, having him back is going to make a big difference for this team. Yeah, they miss him in transition, and they also miss... I mean, I, I wonder what it, you know, if he was like Trevion Graham making 19% of his threes, the defense wouldn't be guarding him. But he almost gets like a little bit of uh, undue respect. Like defenders are out there on him on the perimeter. Like he's treated as a threat, as a shooter for, sure. for the most part. And that's going to be something like just the Timberwolves have so few of those players who defenses treat that way. And to get one back should be really good. And the defense has been good with him too. I mean, yeah. To again go off of these net rating numbers, I mean that's the best. That's the best defensive pair um, for Towns has been Layman. Wow, that's so weird. <laughs> see, but you guys, I don't know, man. Everybody was so down as Layman. On I, Lehman see, as I called him average. I would still call him that. <clears throat> well, okay, I mean, at least maybe I'm wrong, but I just think he was came in underrated, probably as a defender was kind of my stance all along, and. At least in the 198 minutes he's played with Cat this yeah. year, that's proven to be true. Well, and I think the reason he has the best defensive rating is because the Wolves had a better defensive rating at the beginning of the year. I, but totally. And, but that I is mean, like, it's, it's too stark. Lehman was playing, so like cart horse, you know. But it, it's it's wonky. Yeah. Like that's, you're right, those numbers are. I agree, though. He was un- underrated by me, and I assume others. He's a great a athlete. He's yeah. a great athlete, and that often translates yeah. to the defensive end. That's all I'm saying. And he, I don't know. People are like, oh, he does doesn't have a plus wingspan, whatever. I mean. Well, I think that's like doesn't help him. That's probably why he doesn't play more power forward. If he had sure. four more inches on his wingspan, he'd probably be more of a stretch four than he is. I just, I don't think he's a below average defender. Yeah, I don't either. And and it's in the kind of off-ball role. They're not putting him out on the D'Angelo Russell's Kyrie's or whatever. I mean, he's in that, whatever. He's guarding like the other team's 3-4 mm-hmm. and just kind of, again, being in the way. Yeah. He seems to be good at that. Yeah. And, and tries hard. Yeah, and he's but, got good timing. And, yes, yeah. exactly. I think he. I I think because Kate has been so good, particularly shooting, that we maybe have underrated, you know, how much the Wolves also miss Layman because because yeah. Layman does additional things. Yeah. outside of just shooting, even though Kate has been good slasher too. I think that's Kate is a good slasher. Yeah, yeah. I mean Kate has just been really good. Yeah, that's all, that's all I'm saying is play both of them. That's fine. That would be or just having the option to play both of them. That I think they both. But, but I don't know. Are you going to have some of that point guard stuff where now there's limited bandwidth? I don't know. Make if Making it happen, it will be beneficial to just to have Jake back, I think. Yeah. No, totally. Um, all right. We're we're almost done. But uh, who did we miss? Robert Covington. We didn't really talk about. Yeah. He's the one who's played the most with Cat. Uh, we don't need to really talk about Keelan Martin, who hasn't played at all. I think that's the only one we really missed. Um, Covington has played the most with Cat. The defensive rating's bad. It's Barely a positive net rating. I think that's somewhat misrepresentative of what's actually going on. But I think it's really noteworthy that with this, these more bell minutes, 
the two bigs, now Covington sliding down to the three. Is, is it a coincidence that Covington's had his two best defensive games of the year these last two games? I don't think so. I think you get way more out of his defensive skill set when he doesn't need to live in the paint. Yeah. And whether that's Bell, whether that's Kada, whether that's Lehman, I mean, playing Covington more in a wing role where he can roam passing lanes is going to make this defensive rating better than it has been this year. Last year, Covington, Sarich, Towns, awesome defensive rating, 102.5. This year, Covington and Towns, 114.6. Like, Slide him, slide him into the three as much as you can. I understand there's some systemic requirements out there, but like any of these, it's all about massaging the rotations. Yeah. And, and, you know, Ryan Saunders is kind of a bear of a task with this. With a bunch of guys who don't really fit into specific roles, this is yeah. tough. And don't fit together either. But that's, you know, that's the The Covington one coach. is tricky for me, though. Totally agree. He does so much. He's so much more valuable on the defensive end if he's not paint bound. If he can either like roam and act kind of as a free safety, or if he can guard the point of attack, he just gives you more. But man, that offense is so good when he's the four. And maybe you can kind of put together a lineup where he's your four on offense, but he doesn't have to guard the four on defense. Maybe that's what's ideal. But the Timberwolves' offense isn't like amazing so far this year and I really Not think they need that spacing at the four because they don't get it anywhere they else. Need they it need it for their the other court. players. Yeah. Their Covington front, doesn't need it though. No, the front court needs to be spacers so that guys like Josh Okogi, Jarrett Culver, and Andrew Wiggins can kind of have this getting to the rim renaissance. Totally. That That's why it's that, that is the adverse impact of sliding Covington down to the three and or the opportunity cost of sliding Covington down to the three and playing two bigs. Yeah. Is it's going to clog things up for Wiggins and Culver. Mm-hmm. But it's advantageous for Covington individually because he gets to do more defensively and he's already taken really tough threes. Yep. Like, and he doesn't go to the rim that much, even though he's kind of been better at that this year. Yeah. It, Bell will not get in Covington's way. Bell will get in Wiggins yes. and Culver's yes, way. Yes, so, for sure. Again, <laughs> but what, I'm just thinking you, about like the overall lineup's effectiveness, like where, you know, which is more impactful, like the positive on the offensive end or the negative on the defensive end. And I, my vote would be the defensive, it's the defensive end. It seems like it lately. And I would say the numbers bear that out too. They got to figure out if it's the bell thing is real or if, again, if it's Kata, whatever. Or if Kata can guard the four. Because if Kata can, if you can tr- get to a point where you trust Kata to, to defend even some number of fours around the league, then. And, you, I was going to say, it's going to be matchup specific. Yeah. yeah There's exactly. going to be times where you got to. I mean, Covington's going to have to take more of the bruiser guy. Yep. When you're, than Kata would or yep. Layman would. But when it's Porzingis, and Porzingis is already just shooting over the top of Covington, anyways. Yeah. Like, why can't Kata be on him there? And if 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 that's going to inspire Kristaps Porzingis to just back Kata down and good. try to, Porzingis exactly. sucks at that this year, just good. Yeah. And even if he was, even if he was okay at it, it's just not something that kills you. Uh, yeah, even for better players. Yeah, like, I'm trying to think of what do we got. Who I mean, do we there got are some up? with some players where you can't do that every possession, or they're just going to eat you. Like it's like mm-hmm. you say, like we'll we'll give up, you know, mid range jump shots because we run the drop pick and roll scheme, mm-hmm. and like. Just, yeah, there's, there's just some here. number of players that you can't do that with. Agreed. And then that's and then that's when you go with slide him up, yeah. slide Covington up to the four, or run two real bigs. Yeah. Like it 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 is adjustment, an adjustment that can be made. And I'm just glad to see they are making it and they're not just committed to we're doing one guard, three wings, and one big no matter what. Yep. Like, you know, fudge it along the lines. Yeah. 
be and acknowledge well, what I've been saying all year. This league is filled with big teams, filled with big teams. Go through the go through the last three opponents, and then coming up with Phoenix now too. You've got Dallas, who goes Porzingis and Powell in the front court. That's big. Then you go OKC, who goes Gallinari and Adams. That's a height. That's huge. And Adams is very strong. Obviously, the Lakers' biggest team ever. Mm-hmm. And and even a team like the Suns, when you go when you go with like uh, in. They have two bigs. They have eight. Uh, well, eight when he's back, but when the oh my god, Baines, like Baines and, and Kaminsky and yeah, they, Diallo, uh, Baines yeah. and Sarge. Yeah, Baines Sarge, and Sarge, right yeah. there. That's two bigs. There's cra- the crappy teams in the league. The Cavs go Thompson and Love. I mean, half the league almost mm-hmm. has two bruising bigs in the front court, or two bigs. I don't. Is Sarge a bruiser? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I guess well. Sarge will. Sarge will put his head down, and if he gets in the lane, he will move guys yeah. and, and finish on them. I mean, enough. If it's Kata, yeah, like he, that'll be a problem because mm-hmm. Kata's thin. Mm-hmm. Layman, it's thin. Like, this was an issue. This was going to come given the way teams around the league. Like, it got its f- fake news or whatever <laughs> that the whole league is just space and pace, and everyone's going with small ball fours. It's just not. Let's pull up, pull up the rosters. At, look at the teams that the Wolves are playing. A lot of the times they run too big. Bigs out there that are problematic for the Wolves defensively mm-hmm. from uh, getting posted up or not even that, just defensive rebounding. Yeah. And they need to make concessions along those lines. They're doing that with Jordan Bell. Once they get Layman back, I think they can get even bigger with lanky guys. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, I agree. And I think, and Layman will be a big part of that. And Covington, too. And put Covington out on the wing. Yeah. That's what he's better at. He's just at, at, defensively, he's better at that. It's just so tough because they need him. They need him at the, I mean, on offense, they need him at the four. But is he the four if he's out there with Kata and Lehman? Yeah, I mean, kind of, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, I, I hear what you're saying. They do, it's going to hurt. There's going to be times where, hurt, we just said this, it's going to hurt Wiggins and Culver yep. if, if it's Bell and Towns and then Covington's on the wing. I, I don't know. It's just, I think you can then run more sets. Yeah. Have more of a commitment to spacing. To be strict with Bell of where you can be. Yeah. The, he, he's, he's got way too much freelance in I his mean, game from his Golden State days. Deciding to, to dribble out behind the three-point arc to prove that you're a floor spacer yeah. demonstrates such a fundamental right misunderstanding of what it means to space the floor. <laughs> it's like that's totally. not the point, man. <laughs> no, and, and we're <laughs> pro-seeing more of this out. But yeah, it, it, it's... This has all been messy so far. Yeah. They need, they need to iron it out, and because um, they need to get more out of Cat than they have. Mm-hmm. It's we're talking about a prolonged streak here of underwhelming results yeah. from Cat, and it's just kind of gut wrenching when there is those nine ten minutes where Cat hasn't taken a shot, and then he does a weird side step back and transition for a three, which is good because it's him, but but it's it's not what you want him more. to be doing. Yeah, yeah they exactly. can they can get more out of what they have than what they have been doing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that's pretty much all the way through Trevion Graham. We didn't talk about my one thing with Trevion Graham. I think Kat's more comfortable with him guarding the point of attack than Josh Okogie. Mm. What's, what's made you notice that? I think Okogie's chaotic. Yeah. And particularly at the beginning of the year when they were just dropping everything, Graham gave you a known. You knew what he was going to do. Yeah. Every possession defensively. And it seemed to slow things down for Cat some. Now there was guys getting big performances on Graham. Obviously, 
the Russell and the Irving yep. fifty point games stand out. But that wasn't just on Graham. He was just do, he was consistent, and Okogie is inherently chaotic to an extent that I think it sometimes confuses Cat. Yeah, I think with more time, I, I think Okogie should play way more than Graham. But in that sense, and we're talking about how these guys relate to Cat, I see more comfort just watching Cat defend the back line when he's out there with Graham than when he is with Okogi. And I mean, the numbers do bear that out, right? Does well, as far I mean, as Graham's numbers are go? just bad. Uh, it's it, the numbers are the numbers are bad. Yeah, with I mean, it's the worst. Well, I'm going to be watching that with Okogi. I can kind of see what you mean. Where like think about the Dallas game, first quarter of the Dallas game, because that's when Okogi was yeah. inserted in the starting lineup. He's playing uh, and Luca, and yeah. the Mavs just peppered him with pick and roll. Yeah, Cat was really lost between the lines of knowing how much he needed to get out on Luca versus defending the lob to Powell or Powell spacing out to the corner for threes. Yeah, you can go back and watch. You just go back and watch Powell's buckets from that game. Cat is very confused, and a lot of the time, it's connected to a Kogi just doing a little bit of his chaos, and Cat not really knowing. Yeah, to me, seeming like Cat didn't know exactly where to be. Well, I think of like Okogi struggling a little bit to get around a screen, so Cat kind of feeling like he has to do more to to make up for that. Yes, but then Okogi's super fast; like he's probably going to. Oh, Okogi's re- better than Graham. He's going to recover from that screen, but Cat like can't predict that, so he yes. kind of has to get out and show. That's what I'm. That's all I'm saying. Powell's behind. That's him. all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll be back on Thursday. There will be the Suns game in the books, and Jazz Towns Go Bear round three will have happened. And I don't know, hopefully the Wolves will be off of a losing streak. It'll be six losses in a row would be tough. Tonight's big, Suns. Tonight's big and starts here in a couple hours. So we'll be watching that and we'll be back, Charlie and I, on Thursday. You can follow Charlie. He's at C. John's MBA. You can, uh, if this was an interesting conversation to you, I got a ton of video basically on everything that we just talked about within that article. Um, or if you just want the uh the table of how these two man pairings have all played out. You can find that on zonecoverage.com. What did I title the article? It's how the other Timberwolves fit around Carl Anthony Towns. So check that out. I'm Dane Moore at Dane Moore MBA. Till next time. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it all so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.